God created the heavens and the earth. This incredible God, creative and powerful and active and purposeful and powerful, this God begins his story at the beginning. You know, I want us to note right from the beginning, this story that we're going to look at is God's story. It's, it's about God. It is told by God. It is what he does and what he has done. The incredible thing about this, the story of God is that we can look back and we can see it, and in time we're going to recognize that it's happening right now. It's unfolding today. And then someday it will be completed. God looks into the future and he will create what he intends to create. This incredible story that begins in the Garden of Eden. And there God created. He created the light and the darkness and the day and the night and the sea and the land and all these various dynamic realities. And he put the sun and the moon and the stars in that sky that he had created. And, and he put fish in the sea and he put animals on the ground and vegetation. And God stood back and essentially said, good job. <laughs> that looks good. I want us to know this story about, about uh, uh, the story of God is a story about God. I want to say this right now. This is not a story ultimately and firstly about us. You know that? It's not about you, first and foremost, and it's not about me. It's a story about God who had this huge heart, this love, this desire, this passion to create. And we've, we discover in the end the purpose of this creation, the motivation that was in the heart of God in the end of the day when as the pinnacle of his creation, God created a man named Adam and a woman named Eve. These two people that he created in love and, and so that he could come down from heaven and listen to me, to be with us. To be with us, to do life with us, to speak with us, to engage us, to guide us, to bless us. To know as my friends, what matters tremendously to God, and it's so clear in this early chapters, these early chapters of the Bible, what's tremendously important to God is relationship. Relationship. This dynamic creative power which produces relationship is the start of the upper story, that great story that God sees from beginning to end. We can't always see it, we don't understand it, but it's there. And it, it, it continues to play itself out. And then what God wanted to know, quite frankly, is whether Adam and Eve, our ancestors, actually wanted a relationship with him. Did we have the same desire? Did they have the same desire? It wouldn't be much of a relationship if they didn't want it. So God created us with the capacity to choose, and he placed two trees in the garden, the garden in the Garden of Eden. I want to take a moment and just show you where the Garden of Eden is. At the front of your story uh, book, if you have it with you today, and I encourage that, there's a, there's a map like this. And the story, that's the actual uh, map that is here. And right where that little star is, roughly, is where the Garden of Eden was. Just north of the Persian Gulf, as at, at, at the confluence of those two great and mighty rivers. And into that dynamic reality, these two people, people were placed, and God said, you know what? This is a garden to be celebrated and enjoyed. This is a garden where I have provided everything for you that will provide life and goodness and joy. And in that place, he put two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, you know, 
take and eat from all of the trees in the garden, even the tree of life. Enjoy it. I want you to live. This has always been the heart of God. I want you to know life and not death. I want you to know spiritual life and not spiritual death. I want you to know abundant life. I want you to know eternal life. This is the passion of God for humanity. It's in his heart. It's why he created us. But he said, if you're in, if you share the desire that I have, if you dream the dream that I dream, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't go there. Adam and Eve had a choice to make, and they made their choice. Their choice was to to reject the instruction of God, to reject this relationship, this intimacy, this connection that they had with God. And they ate of that tree, and they were escorted out of the garden. And relationship with God was no more. Let that resonate in your heart for a moment. Relationship with God was no more. Something changed in Adam and Eve. Sin began to inhabit them at the core level of their being so that from this point on, there would be this tug of war between good and evil, right and wrong. The sinful nature became part of who they were. So you see, my friends, the upper story, God's desire, God's dream, God's purpose behind creation, the lower story of humanity, what we did with his offer. I want to just take a moment right now just to talk about the reality is we still engage that dynamic. You know, the, the, the serpent said to Adam and Eve in his temptation, and the serpent still speaks to us, that representation of evil. Did God really say? And he sows seeds of doubt in our mind about what God's word actually is and its, its truth and how right and how good it is. And the serpent said, you won't die. There will be no consequences for doing your own thing as opposed to what God has called you to do. Well, I want to tell you it wasn't very long before the consequences of the sinful nature began to emerge. First thing that Adam and Eve did after they sinned was that they sewed fig leaves together and they covered themselves because no longer was it all innocence and goodness. Now their thoughts were wrong and their intentions were wrong, so they covered up themselves to shield their vulnerability. And they began to blame each other. They even blamed the devil for what had happened. But they, they blamed each other and they condemned each other and God's dream for their relationship was shattered. And then comes the story of Cain and Abel, their children. God was pleased with Abel's gift, but not Cain's. And sin overtakes Cain. Pride over humility and jealousy and anger over love. I'm going to read to you from page 7 in this story. It's, it's Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, if you're reading it directly from, from the Bible. It says this, but if you do not do what is right, listen to this, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. See, that's the tension of the sinful nature. And in the end, Cain couldn't overcome the power of sin that had taken hold of his being, and he killed his brother. You see, the sinful nature literally had passed from parent to child. The sinful nature that had invaded the reality of Adam and Eve was inherited by their children. 
It was born into them. That's why Psalm 51 verse 5 says this. David speaking of his own sin. David very aware of the reality of his human condition. Surely I was sinful at birth. Hadn't even done anything wrong yet. Actually, but it was in his being sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And that, my friends, is our lower story. And it continues to be our lower story until this day. Sin and sinful nature, we are born into it. It is in us as we enter into the world. And my friends, it keeps so many people from a relationship with God. Well, where, where sin is left alone, sin escalates. Think of it, Adam and Eve and what they had done. And then their, their, their sons, one killing another. What comes next? The story of the flood, Genesis uh, 6, 5 and 6 on page 8 of the story itself. It says this, The Lord saw the great wickedness of the human race, that the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. His heart was deeply troubled. You know, what we're being told in this instance that the tension, if you would, of the sinful nature had overcome, you know, it, it had gone global, if you would. And that such scenario so terrible that God literally regretted having created at all. See, that's how far the dream had fallen. But even God here in this tragic scenario would not give up on us. He wanted us back. My friends, the story, the story unfolds and the focus is on who God is. Remember that it is his story. Watch what he does. Well, he devises a plan to start over through the life of one righteous man named Noah and his family. He takes the best of the lot and he seeks to recreate. But the, the flood comes and judgment falls on people. Everyone is killed. The ark eventually lands on dry ground, yet remarkably sin carries on. Noah gets drunk and his son's son sees him naked and, and disrespects him. That's the primary sin that's displayed here. Mocks his father, if you would. Guess what I saw? Sin hasn't gone away. Through the whole process, through the whole desire to make things right and make things new away, sin continues to be inherited in the human being. And then comes the Tower of Babel. People trying to reach up to heaven apart from God or, if you would, without God. Pride and, and, and human effort. But God intervenes and God stops the process. See, in spite of God's love and God's grace and God's heart for people, things go from good to bad and from bad to worse and from worse to worse yet again. It's a story. We're being told of the reality. A picture is being painted for us. What we see is the Bible. Listen to me here. What we see is the Bible is giving us the reason for the rest of the story. Hope and darkness. <laughs> Well, what I'm describing to you is the darkness part. I want to tell you this, my friends. There is no good news without bad news. Did you know that? 
We don't value or care about a solution unless we have a significant problem to be solved. And I want to tell you, this is the problem. Sin in us, us separated from God, things heading downhill in a hurry. That's the lower story. And in this context, the plan is ready to unfold. The story of hope is ready to be told. And we'll look at it beginning next week and, of course, in what is to come. But before I begin to find the hope, even in the darkness, can you see the upper story and the lower story in your life as I've looked at it in my own? You see, the upper story is no difference. God is still a creator. God created you and me. And he still dreams of a relationship with us. He longs to know us and for us to know him and for us to live our lives walking with him and talking with him and engaging him and knowing his goodness and his love and loving him back. That's, in, that's at the heart of God because that's who God is. And he dreams and he longs for a world without sin and all the brokenness and the harm that it brings. Our lower story, every one of us, begins with the, the reality of a sinful nature, human nature. We're born in it, as David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. And we are born separated from God. Our hearts are not right. There is pride and there is anger and jealousy, as was the case in Cain. And there is rebellion and rejection. We live it out as we grow up. And we live under that powerful, powerful reality called sin, which crouches at our door seeking and desiring to have us. I want to tell you, my friends, in chapter one of this story, in spite of the dark painting that I've, picture that I've painted for you, there is, there are signs of hope because of a God who loves us, because of his dream which he will not let go of, because of, he refuses to give up even on us. I want you to notice what God did for Adam and Eve after their sin. Page six in this story, look it up if you have it with you today. Page six, which is the same as Genesis chapter three, verse 21. It says this, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Is that just a little historical note that the Bible throws in? Listen to me. God replaces fig leaves with the skins of animals and he is signaling to us the solution which will ultimately get him back to him as he covers up our sin. And the signal to us suggests that what is required is the shedding of blood. Later, the biblical writers would say, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Do you have any idea where this is going? You see, ultimately, it was the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross which covered our sin for those of us who are willing to embrace faith in him and seek his forgiveness. You see, in the lower story, we glimpse the upper story of God, his plan to get us back in a world made new by people who have been made new in Christ. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, again on page 6 of the story, 
listen to another hint of what is to come um, in what God says. He's speaking to Eve and in terms of the description of what will be in her life from this point forward after sin, after sin has entered into her being. God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Speaking to the serpent. Oh, actually, it's speaking to the serpent, I'm sorry. But speaking of the woman. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He, that offspring, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Where did this happen, my friends? This happened on the cross of Jesus. Satan struck at the heel of Christ. He hurt Christ, but he didn't destroy him. But in that same place and at that same time, Jesus crushed the head of evil. He destroyed the power of sin. Basic message here, as we enter into this, as we, as we, as we begin in this journey together, it's God saying, people, I know where you're at and I know you're in trouble, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you in the mess that you have created of what I have formed. In my love, I am going to get you back. And very literally, the rest of the story is about God getting us back. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't wind down here without posing this question at the front end of this journey. And very simply, I want to ask you this question. Is there anyone here who is living in the mess which sinful nature has produced? Anybody knowing and experiencing the power of evil that they can't overcome? Anybody recognizing that they desperately need a solution from the life that they have found as a human being? Anybody tired of being separated from God? Anybody who is recognizing that not believing in the words that God has spoken just doesn't work. I want to tell you, my friends, in spite of the darkness which overcame the world, there is incredibly good news in the story. And I want to tell you now that as we've painted the dark picture of the reality, this foundational reality that describes what is yet to come, it gives reason for what is yet to come, that the foundational reality of God is that He loves you. I don't know how many of you actually believe that deep in your soul. Probably a lot of you believe it in your head. But how many of you really believe it to the point where it has changed your life? Hear it. The God of heaven who created everything that exists, the God of creativity and of power, of majesty, the God of purpose, the God of eternity from beginning to end in human history and beyond in both directions, that God knows you intimately and he loves you. And he has loved you to the point of sending his precious son to die on a cross that he might get you back. This is the greatest story ever told. This is a phenomenal and remarkable and incredible story. You know why? Because of who God is. Let me read to you Romans 5. Verses 6 to 8. 
you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, unable to reach up to the heavens without God, as the Babel story describes. When we were powerless to get ourselves out of the mess, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. My friends, all, all you need to do if you're recognizing the reality of your life and you're recognizing the heart of God for you and you want to do away with the separation that exists between you and him is simply believe in the work of Jesus for you. To look at the cross and say, on that day the Son of God died for me that I might be forgiven of all of my sin. That I might be drawn back into relationship with the living God. Can I put it this way? That I might taste the fruit of the tree of life. Life abundant, life eternal. Life again with God. My friends, the reality is this is God's desire for you. It's like today he stands and he reaches out in the story and he says, right at the beginning, in spite of how, how difficult and bleak and, 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 and um, terrible, quite frankly, the, the lower story can become, I love you and I want you back. And I've done all in my power to make it possible. I sent my son to die in a cross for you. So I say it again, are there people here who are recognizing the reality of their own lower story and they're saying, yes, yes, God, I want it. I want to tell you, in a minute we're just going to have a moment of quietness and, and I'm going to pray and you can just pray after me if you wish, but it's really, really simple. It's a life-changing, eternity-changing moment, but all you say is in prayer, God, I believe today in what Christ did for me. I believe he was the son of God and that he died on the cross for me. And I pray because of what he did that you will now forgive my sin. And I pray that you will come into my life. I, I want to receive him. I receive him today. And from this day on, I long to walk with you as Adam and Eve walked in the garden. I want to know you. I want to hear from you. I want to speak to you. I want to engage you in my life. And if you do that, my friends, all of a sudden the separation that Adam and Eve experienced will be done away with. All of a sudden the reality of God by his spirit will dwell within you. You will know God. You will experience the reality of God. You will enter into life in Christ. I don't know if anybody here is at that point, but I want to pray that prayer. And if that is you, just pray it quietly in your heart after me. And let's make today that day when you just say yes to God. And when you experience in your lower story the purpose, the plan, the intention of God for you. Let's pray.
Lord, what an incredible beginning to the story that uh, you have told. Incredible and remarkable and astounding and beautiful in creation, but Lord, what we have done with what you intended. But our God, we praise you that you were not willing to give up on us. You were not willing to leave us in our rebellion and in our distance from you. You were not willing to leave us in our mess. And ultimately, Lord, you came in the person of Jesus to make things right. Lord, there may be people here today, I don't know, no one does except those persons themselves, but there may be people here today who are just recognizing the reality of their life as described in this first chapter of the story. And it's their desire today to look at the glimpses of hope that we see in chapter 3 of Genesis and recognize that Christ shed his blood on the cross for them and that through the shedding of blood our sin is covered up so that it is seen no more by the living God. So Lord, for those who are here who wish to open their lives to you, to take a step in their lower story towards you, to open, open the possibility and to create the reality of what it means to know God in life. Lord, I offer this little prayer that uh, people can pray quietly in, in their hearts. And I would invite anyone here who wishes to do so to, to pray with me now. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you made the way for me to get back to God, to have my sin forgiven, to have that incredible relationship restored, that I might live my life with him, knowing him, loving him, and being loved by him. To that end, I pray. I ask that you would forgive my sin, Lord God. And I receive you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord, the one who is the solver of my problem and the one who will lead my life from this point forward. Lead me into this life with you that you desire. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you, God, our Father, for what you have done, the plan that you have put in place for not giving up on us. This I pray in Jesus' name. God, our prayer is that as we enter into and engage this story, that you'll open up our eyes to see the treasures in Scripture that we've never seen before. And that through our understanding of the Bible, our faith will deepen and our lives will be transformed by the power of your word. Holy Spirit, we open ourselves to you. We pray that you will transform us as individuals and as a church as we are made new in him. God, this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.